0: Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Good morning, Bethlehem Covenant Church. Thanks for joining us here in this uh, wonderful time, July 9th, and we're glad that you are with us. Uh, We've had a wonderful, exciting week. Boy, we've had so much rain, which has been an answer to prayer. I heard one farmer say that they were three days away from having to just give it up for the year. Um, But God provided that rain, and it's been raining regularly for the last week, and it has been doing good, and their crops are just flourishing, and so we praise God for that. But we also had our July 4th uh, lunch there in the community. We served over 500 people. It was a wonderful outreach um, and a great chance to meet people. It's been terrific. Not only that, but Covenant Cedars Camp is going on right now, and um, we have our middle schoolers there, and then. And believe it or not, on Sunday is high school camp, and we have 33 kids uh, going from our church. Uh, This is such an amazing class. It's the most we've ever had, but it is uh, kids who are bringing their friends, and it is tremendous. So pray for our campers as they go off to camp this coming uh, Sunday as well. Um, but God is good. I hope things have been good for you. This is my first sermon back from my sabbatical. Thank you for the month break that you gave to me. I was able to go to Israel and uh, bring my son there. Um, we I led a group there of 43 people, and uh, that was wonderful to be able to see those sites and to bring people around. 13 people from our own church were a part of that, and uh, so it was just great, and uh, a time also to just to be still and be a little bit with God and rest and and so coming out of that then now um, is uh, the what I want our sermon series to be over the next five weeks I call it be still and we're going to look at different scriptures where those words are used and where how God brings us rest and direction and clarity and peace in the midst of some troubling times sometimes or just a whole lot of restlessness and anxiety and busyness that our lives are like and uh, how he calls calls us to be still and know He is God. We're going to look at that for five straight weeks. So this is our first Sunday. And so if you have your Bibles, open up with me to Psalm 46. Psalm 46 uh, is the first time when those words are going to be used, be still. And I I want to read it for us and talk about it today. So it says this, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, but he lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth, for he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and he shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. For the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This morning, like I said, I want to begin this five-week series on Be Still and Know That I Am God. And the first thing I want us to see within this scripture is that this, this one verse, verse 10 of Psalm 46, is actually in quotes. Now, I never noticed that before, but God is speaking he is being he's saying something there. He is the one saying, be still. What is more as I learned that this particular verse, be still, and know that I am God, that quote, is the only verse in all of the psalms that is in quotes. It is unique. I mean the Psalms, they're prayers, their songs, their poems that are written by the people of God about God and to God. Psalm 46 opens like this as one of these, a prayer reminding people that God is their refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. But then all of the sudden we get to verse 10 and it's like God interrupts the prayer and he speaks right to the heart. Right in the middle of the person's prayer, God speaks and he says, Be still, know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all of the earth. God interrupting and speaking here reminds me of the book of Job. And how this guy, Job, with all of his troubles and suffering in his life, and we learn his story, and for 37 chapters in the book of Job, he cries out to God, he complains, his friends are complaining, they're all trying to figure out why all this is happening. For 37 chapters, it's people talking. But then we get to chapter 38 of Job. And that chapter is titled, The Lord Speaks. (laughs) God had, in a way, quietly listened for 37 chapters as people did the talking, but then it was His turn. And in Job 38:1, it says, "The Lord answered Job out of the storm." And for the next couple chapters, it is just God speaking, reminding His children who He is, and it brings such a stillness to Job. In Psalm 46. This is what's happening in the middle of the prayer. God speaks. And his words be still are there kind of like in the story of Jesus, when he and his disciples were on a boat and a storm came up suddenly and the waves began to rise and the wind began to increase and the water started getting into the boat and the disciples became afraid. And they go to Jesus and they wake him up. He's asleep on the boat. And they wake him up and, and they say, don't you care? We are going to drown. And Jesus stands up and what does he say? What does he do? He simply says two words my friends he quotes Psalm 46 he says be still and the wind instantly died down and the rain all of a sudden stopped at his command and everything was made calm think about the power of God's word I mean when God speaks things happen like a creation, when God said, let there be light, there was. When God spoke and land suddenly appeared and seas and oceans and mountains and rivers and trees and flowers of all their many varieties and birds in the air and fish and animals where there was none before, all because he spoke it. And then he spoke. And we were born. We came to life. At his word. I think about the power of his word from the cross. When he said, it is finished. How powerful is that word from our Lord. For in that moment, our God was declaring victory over all sin. My sin, your sin, the sin of the whole world. I think of the words that Jesus spoke to the paralyzed man. Who had been stuck on his mat for 38 years. Jesus said, get up. And that man suddenly was able to do what he had previously been unable to do, stand up and walk. I think of the words spoken to the demon-possessed man who was tormented by so many demons that held him in chains. But at the voice of Jesus, every one of those chains came loose and that man was suddenly free. The power of his word. Psalm 46 reminds us of this. It says nations are in uproar kingdoms fall but he lifts his voice and the earth melts We we live in this world we live often shaken by our circumstances because we forget who is God We turn on the news, we look at our lives or our troubles, and and they can seem pretty big or surprising or impossible at times, just like nations in uproar and kingdoms falling. But Psalm 46 says, God lifts his voice and the earth melts. There is no one like our God. Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he was sitting with his disciples at that last supper and and he was telling them all that was going to have to happen. And and the disciples are listening to him and they are obviously shaken by what Jesus is saying. They are anxious. There are so many unknowns. Uh, They don't fully understand it all. But Jesus assures them it's going to be okay. And in John 13:3 he even says the father has put all things under my power I have come from God I'm returning to God There is this reminder that he is giving them that he is fully in control of the situation and so Jesus then, he tells his disciples in John 14, 27, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives, so don't let your hearts become troubled and don't be afraid. And he says in John 16, I'm telling you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, he says, I've overcome the world. The key in all of that is, is to be still and know that he is God. (laughs) And somehow that as we live in this world, as things happen, we would keep remembering him, trusting in him, turning to him, doing as he said, in me you will have peace, living in him. Jesus said in the world you'll have trouble, but in me you'll still have that stillness, that peace in all things. You see, we got to face many things in life, but so important when we face them is that we would know who God is and that we would have that daily personal relationship with him and living in him, finding our peace and our purpose and our hope in Christ every day. Be still and know that I am God. You gave me a sabbatical and I was so very thankful for it a time to be still. Not everyone gets to take a month off. I don't take that for granted. It was a good and a restful time. Thank you. I I very much needed it. As I was getting ready for it, people kept asking me what was I going to do with my time? Where was I going to go? And and I knew that I was going to be leading this group to Israel for 10 days, but beyond that, I didn't have any big plans. I felt that I was just supposed to slow down, to be still, to take a walk or read my Bible, to take a moment with my wife, my kids, or to make something creative. I kind of like art. But I didn't have any grand plans, didn't fill up my time. And the truth was, I wasn't physically tired. I mean, I am getting older, so I always like a good nap. (laughs) But I wasn't that physically tired. But I knew that I was emotionally tired and mentally just exhausted and drained. I felt that I had needed for a while to pause and to let God come back into view. Let things fall back into their proper perspective and place. To be still and to re-know. Like Psalm twenty-three, which says, "The Lord is our shepherd; we shall not be in want. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul." And I felt that I just needed to pause and be still and re-know Him to re-center. I use Google Maps all the time now to get places and I'm driving, you know, and and I'm using Google Maps and sometimes I will accidentally hit the screen and the map will go all wonky and I can't see where I am all of a sudden or where I am going. The screen is stuck on something over here that isn't important. But there is this button on the bottom of my phone that says Recenter, And when I hit it, I'm back on again. And I can see where I am and where I am going again. And I think that that happens in our life. We can get off center and get a little lost. But Christ is our center. He has never moved. And if life has bumped us, we need to pause, refocus, and recenter our life back on him. That's what he meant when he said that in him we would have peace. To recenter on him and remember who our God is and who we are in him and what he has promised and and what that life is meant to be and where our hope is truly found and secure. To rest in him and recenter in him. And this is what we all need most. Because no amount of sleep will give us this kind of rest we're going to still wake up with all those same troubles. No amount of days of vacation will rescue us from all of it because we're still going to have to go home eventually and face things. No amount of money in the bank account will provide for us the kind of peace and security we're hoping for. Only he can. No amount of approval by others or acceptance by others that can give us the kind of love that only Jesus can. The stillness that we seek is in him. It was funny, on the first day I was back in the office and no longer on my sabbatical, Carrie and I were driving somewhere that night and I guess I was short with her a couple of times or said something grumpy or critical and she turned to me and said, you need to go back on sabbatical. It was just my first day back. (laughs) <laughs> but I already was slipping into anxiety, frustration, impatience. It's, it's so real. It doesn't go away. You got to keep hitting recenter. In life, we're going to have trouble, but in him, we'll have peace. We'll have that stillness. We'll have that direction. We'll have that clarity. We'll have that contentment, but we got to keep pushing the recenter button. Every day, every problem that comes our way, we have to pause, be still, and know that he is God. I want to point out just a couple words in Psalm 46 that I think will help us find some stillness in our life. The first word I want to get us to think about is found in the first verse. It says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And the word I want to talk about here is the word Refuge. Refuge is such an incredible word. Think about all that it means. God is our refuge. It's talking about how God is our safe place. He's our eternal security, the one that we can run to, count on to, open the door for us, the one that we can trust in. He is our shield, our mighty fortress, our hiding place. And as I was thinking about refuge, it got me thinking about our refugee families that we support here at the church. They were families that were once in great danger in Afghanistan because of their work with America. And they had jobs at the embassy, and when, so when the Taliban took over their country, they were seen as the enemy, no longer safe at home. They had to get out. And so America opened its doors for them, and they found safety and hospitality in our country. And they're starting new lives here with their families. We are their refuge. And I think about how people from our church have embraced these families, taken them into their hearts, provided for them an apartment and filling it with tables and chairs and beds and blankets, as well as being in relationship with them as people and helping them get driver's license and jobs and learn new language and help their kids. God provided us to be a refuge for them. So you see, refuge, it's about love. It's about being a safe place, away from harm, to be able to begin a new life. Well, as I thought about that, I thought about how our scripture for today and what it's saying to all of us about God, that God is our refuge. I thought about my life and how it was once in the pit and in sin and death and how the enemy had a hold of me, but the Lord came into my life. He rescued me out of that place. He died on a cross for me. He paid my ransom with his own blood. He saved me, brought me to his home that I might now live in him, in his house forever. Every day he watches over me. He lives in me. By his spirit, he provides for me and is faithful with everything that I have ever needed. He is my refuge. He has saved my life from death and he stays in my life and he helps me every day with all that I need. We can trust him. We can count on him. His love never fails. I read this great book over my sabbatical by Richard Blackaby called The Ways of God and how when we learn the ways of God, we learn we can trust God because he's always faithful to his ways. Blackaby writes that God is entirely consistent and reliable. His ways are true to his word and character every time. He is trustworthy. We, on the other hand, are human, and we know how we should live, but we regularly fail to live up to it, but not God. He always fulfills his promises, always is faithful to his word, his love and character and purposes for you. You can count on God being God 100% of the time. Psalm 105 says, The Lord is good, and his love endures forever, his faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Romans 8, 31 to 39 says, what should we say? If God is for us, who could possibly stand against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? For who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or even the sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angel nor demon, neither anything in the present or future, no power, whether high or low, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is ours in Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is our refuge. The stillness of God comes to our restless, anxious, troubled hearts when we, by faith, hit that recenter button and and remember who God is and what he was willing to do for us and how much he loves us, and how our home with him is forever, and how he said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And he meant it. He is our refuge. In Psalm 46, there's one line that's repeated in both 7 and verse 11, and that is the line, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And I learned this week that this psalm was written about Jerusalem. It is believed that this psalm was written while the city was being threatened. The Assyrians were surrounding it on every side. And back then, every city had a wall. It was like a fortress. And the people were living behind the wall, wondering if it would hold. And this psalm is written to remember and to remind us that we don't just have our army. We have the Lord who will help fight our battles. And we don't just have this wall, this fortress made of stone. But he is our fortress, our deliverer, and so we don't need to fear. Verse 9 says, he makes the war cease and breaks the bow and shatters the spear. With them is an army of flesh, but with us is the Lord Almighty who will fight our battles. So when you are in trouble, who is it that you run to? Who will you hide behind? Who will you put your trust in? There is only one God, and he is our refuge. Strength, ever-present, help, and trouble. The second and only other word that I wanted us to think about here is found in verse 4, where it's talking about how God is our provider. Verse 4 said, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, and she will not fall. So whenever I had read this psalm in the past, I thought the city of God referred to heaven. But again, this psalm isn't talking about heaven. The city of God in the Old Testament meant Jerusalem. It was the holy place where the Most High dwelt. In the Old Testament, God chose to dwell in the temple, which was in Jerusalem. People would come to Jerusalem to meet with God, to pray in the temple, to offer their sacrifices to him, and to remember all that he had done. When, people, when God's people were in exile in Babylon, it says that Daniel knelt and prayed with his windows open to Jerusalem. Why? Because that is where he believed God was. Well, Jerusalem is this miracle city because it's built on a hill between two valleys in a hot desert. But ancient cities were usually built near rivers to supply the residents with water. No water, no life. But in Jerusalem, there's no river that feeds it. Just a small spring. Nothing that you would think could sustain a whole city. But in this psalm, it speaks of a river whose streams make glad the city of God, Jerusalem. Well, the river is a metaphor for God and how he miraculously continues to provide for his people everything that they're going to need. Just like how in the wilderness with the Israelites, God made water miraculously appear from a rock. So too, God continued to provide for his people even after they entered the promised land. He was their provider. For that small spring in Jerusalem never ran dry, just like the widow of Sidon's yeast never ran out, nor the bread and the fish the boy gave to Jesus for the feeding of the 5,000 never emptied simply because God would not allow it. In the psalm, God is the river that keeps providing streams of living water for his people. Today, Christ has come and died and rose again, and we who believe in him are filled with the Holy Spirit, Christ in us. God no longer dwells in a temple in Jerusalem made of stone, but the Lord now lives in you and me. And just as he told the Samaritan woman at the well, he said, the water I give you will become in you like a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. It will never run dry. Jesus told his disciples that whatever they needed to ask in his name, and he would do it. And so, see, this is our God. This is who he is. And he has always been this. Just as God has faithfully and miraculously always provided for his people since the beginning, he will continue to provide miraculously for us all we need. You can be assured of it, all for his glory. Psalm 46, verse five says, "God is within her; she won't fall. God will help her at the break of day." Lamentations 3:21 says, "Yet this I call to mind, and therefore have hope, because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed; for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness." When God's people trusted and obeyed him, they always had enough and more than they needed, miraculously. But when they started to turn away to idols or to false gods and started to instead put their trust in princes and armies, well, God sent a famine. He didn't want them relying on that which in the end would fail. So God dried up the brook and he dried up the well. But the moment they turned back to him and called on the name of the Lord again, the rains came, the river flowed, and whatever little they had suddenly seemed to multiply overnight into abundance. And the weak became strong, and the manna fell, and so did the giants, all because of him. Those mighty armies that surrounded the city, that outnumbered them ten to one, God just took care of them. He miraculously defeated them with angels before even the sunrise. Before they even lifted the sword, God had already won. This is the context of be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. The stillness that you and I seek today in our life and in our inner soul and mind and heart, that stillness of God comes when we return to him, when we hit the recenter button, when we remember who he is and that he is with us. God is within her, she will not fall. He has promised that. God will help us at the break of day if we just call on him. He always has been and always will be our provider. You don't have to worry. He is the river whose streams make glad. He is the joy that cometh in the morning. Even when we don't give it is timing. Even when we don't understand why, even when at times we don't think we're getting what we want or what we need, it will be just as it needs to be. Just like the cross. Trust him. He's overall. He knows what you need and he has overcome every moment. This life, this sin, this trouble, this hardship, he sees it. He knows that he is God. In him, you have peace. I think we often pray for things so much less than what God wants to give us but we don't know how to do it any different. We see in part, we think we know what's best in a situation, but we don't know that there's something better. So we can always get discouraged or frustrated at times, worried, thinking things we don't have, but we just need to hit that recenter button. We just need to remember him and see all that we do have is everything we need. And God is in this and will be exalted. He is the river whose streams make glad our heart. Look at what God has done and doing in your life right now. Can you see it? It's so much greater than what we pray for, so much more than what we deserve. God loves us. So be still and know that he is God. He will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in all of the earth. I pray you have a wonderful Sunday. God bless. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.